nothing of great significance is achieved uh, by playing it safe. Welcome to A Congruent Life, where we share inspirational stories of authenticity and happiness. A Congruent Life is an interview project sharing the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things, discovering their passions, and living authentic, amazing lives. Here's your host, Andy Gray. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me for another episode of A Congruent Life, a podcast where we explore authenticity in many different forms by sharing the stories of some pretty amazing people. My name is Andy Gray, and I'm grateful that you've chosen to share this time with us. This is episode 29 of A Congruent Life, and today I'm talking with Srinivas Rao. Srini is well known as the host of the Blogcast FM podcast, which has been inspiring to me over the years as a podcaster. He's also been prolific lately with some great writing about creativity and authenticity. I'm really glad to welcome him onto this show. I'm talking today to Srini Rao, who is the host of the very popular Blogcast FM podcast and the author of a new book called The Art of Being Unmistakable. Srini, welcome to A Concurrent Life. Hey, thanks for having me. So maybe just can we start by having you introduce yourself briefly to our audience? Yeah. Uh, you know, To make a long story short, I went, I went to business school, graduated, and um, my life didn't go according to plan. You know, I, I did everything that you think you're supposed to do. Uh, crossed off all the check boxes. I was a Berkeley undergrad. You know, worked at all these startups. Uh, you know, think and then thought. You know, getting an MBA was going to be the answer to to all my prayers, and that I would be promoted and I would have this like you know 90k to 100k starting salary. And of course, you know, my timing is impeccable. I graduated from undergrad uh, when the dot com, the first dot com bubble burst, and I graduated from business school in April 2009. So nobody sits down at the beginning of their life or the beginning of their college career and says, you know what? Let me make a plan to graduate into not one but two massive recession. Great timing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, as a byproduct of that, um, I have an inherent distrust in anything corporate because, uh, you know, and that doesn't come just from that. I mean, there are, there are some extenuating circumstances as well, largely having to do with me as a person. Uh, so what that started was this whole idea of not choosing for the options that are in front of me because I think that, you know, we go to school, um, you know, and we're presented with a handful of options, in my case being become a doctor, investment banker, lawyer, engineer, or go work at a startup uh, or become a management consultant. That was it. Like that was – it's really silly, right? Because you go to college and that's essentially what it seems like everybody in the world does. Like there are no other careers outside of this and that you know people who do anything artistic or creative, that's just dumb luck. They ended up there. Don't ever – you know, take this this path. Uh, you know, go to the tried and true path because at least you're guaranteed a, a safe and secure life. Which even that's no longer true. But anyway, so to to make a long story short, that started this intensely creative period in my life where I started my blog, The School of Life, uh, a, a weekly series called Interviews with Up and Coming Bloggers. Eventually led to the formation of, of you know what you know me for today, which is Blogcast FM, uh, and and that's led to a bunch of other things like writing books, um, speaking, uh, talking about creativity, inspiration, all this other stuff. Uh, and really, I, I guess in a lot of ways, uh, it's been a voyage of self-discovery because what the whole process revealed to me when I started to really examine it was that I was the, other, the ultimate corporate misfit. Like 
what I didn't realize in all of those jobs, you know, somebody once told me uh, about relationships that don't work out that like you should go back and examine them. And I said, look what the common thread is between all your relationships that don't work out. And they're like, it's you. I was like, fuck. Oh, man. I mean, that makes you cringe a little bit. But at the same time, you're kind of like, OK, well, then you, it also makes you realize you're the one who is in control of all those choices. So, you know, when I went and looked back at the, the jobs I had, I was like, wow, I'm the common thread between all the jobs that I was terrible at. Uh, I'm forcing square pegs into round holes. And uh, so so that has, has led to this very interesting and unexpected life uh, where I am the host of a show where I've interviewed 400 plus people uh, at the end of this year, it'll have been four years. And, uh, I, you know, I'm writing books, I'm speaking at conferences, I'm planning my first in-person event. Uh, so yeah, I mean that, that kind of in a nutshell is, is, you know, I guess, you know, we, your show is called a congruent life. I wasn't living a congruent life and, uh, now I am on the path to living one, I guess you could say. Which is fantastic. That's exactly why I wanted to talk with you on the show is because this process that you're going through, you are so so public about the process of self-discovery that you've been going on. You've been sharing that journey and, and some of your, your essays are remarkably insightful about what is this about this life that I'm living and what do I need to do differently and what can I, how can I live this in a way to really be true to who I am and what I want to be in the world? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, you, you bring this idea up of being true to who you are, right? Because being true to who you are isn't encouraged. It's not something – the system is not designed to say, you know, being true to who you are is, is the highest sort of uh, – most respectable thing you can do. Uh, the most respectable thing you can do is you can go and you know do something stable, stable safe, secure and, and make sure that it all works out, right? And, and you know, that, that's, that's the combination of a lot of factors, you know, parents, peers, society, all of who have good intentions. It's not that their intentions are bad. Uh, you know, and I, it's funny that I'm echoing a lot of the sentiments from a conversation I just had, but – the thing is that uh, their intentions are for you to be safe, for you to be secure, and for you to be okay, not to thrive necessarily. Because the thing is to thrive means that there's a possibility that you're going to fail abysmally. I mean really, really, really fail, like hit rock bottom fail. Uh, and nobody, nobody wants that for you. Nobody who, nobody who cares about you wants to see you suffer in any way at all. But it's often – that that suffering becomes necessary to to live you know what you call a congruent life, um, because that's often where a lot of your self discovery happens. I mean, for for the most part, we sleepwalk through life. Uh, you know, we're 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 born sort of you know curious and and crazy and and you know there's endless amounts of opportunities for self expression. Uh, you know, walk into a kindergarten classroom and it's it's chaos and creativity just bursting from the seams. And it's funny. Walk. If I, you know, I, I saw this when I was walking through the local section of the Barnes and Noble. I wanted to see if my theory on this was true, and I was looking at how the curriculum changes as you get older. And by the time you're a senior in high school, the curriculum is set. It's you know, unif it's conformity is is, is encouraged uh, and rewarded, and there are no opportunities or very limited opportunities for self-expression. Uh, and, and so as a result, we, we stop living a congruent life. And it's, unfortunately, sometimes it takes like a midlife crisis or therapy uh, for you to get back to, to living this congruent life that you speak of. And I mean, I think that here's the way I would sum it up. And I, this is, a, you know, I've taken something that I could have said in a very short way and made it really long. But what I would say is this, nothing of great significance is achieved uh, by playing it safe. Uh, you know, we say that, you know, you could, you could say that, oh, the tried and true path is safe and it comes with guarantees, but even that is no longer questionable. So here's what you say is, okay, well, what's the difference between the two paths? One has a significant upside. The other one doesn't. 
and I've just chosen to basically take the route that I think has a significant upside. So how did you get to that point, Shrini? You you were living a quote-unquote traditional life and going to college and getting the degree and working in these corporate jobs. And at some point, you needed to come to this realization for yourself and take that scary leap and say, you know what, this doesn't work for me. I'm going to do it differently. How did you come to that point? Where, where did that, that courage come from? I wouldn't call it courage as much as I would call it necessity. Uh, you know, it, I'm still scared every day, right? You know, I mean, most of you know, I'm 35 and I live at my parents' house to make this work. And it, there's part of me that's like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm doing this. It, it's, it's not, it's not normal. It's, it's, you know, why, why is my life not normal? I mean, I have the same fears, the same doubts, uh, and, and the same, you know, <clears throat> I have a lot of the same insecurities as any person who is not in my shoes, but here's what I would say. Uh, and this is, this actually was a very recent realization, believe it or not. I mean, I always had sort of one foot outside of my comfort zone and, what I realized was that if I really was committed to this path and I made sh- and I, I wanted to make sure that I was never going to end up on the back on the other one, I had to let it go completely. That's why I called this the year of my career suicide, because I think that in order to become somebody else, you have to let go of who you were before. Uh, and what most people do is out of fear that becoming this new person might not work out. They don't fully let go of the person they were before, and I did that. I mean, even the first two to three years of this journey were largely that. Uh, sometime, I think in 2011, when I returned from Costa Rica, even though you know I was running Blogcast FM, I was actually looking for a day job. And what I was starting to realize is when I would go in, it was a very hard sell for me. One, because I didn't believe in you know the bullshit that I was trying to feed somebody. I was pretending to be interested, even when I wasn't. Uh, and, and then the other thing is that all the things I was doing on the side were pretty clear indicators that if those had any if they if they showed any sense that they were going to pan out i, I was pre, it was pretty clear i was at the, at the day job because i was going to take the money and run right after i didn't need it anymore um and somebody called me out on it i said yeah you're right i'm like i have no interest in being here long term i'm not interested in building a career here because you know what this is not my career defining opportunity i'm making that one on my own and uh you know and of course on, on the side blogcast fm is growing it, it's reaching lots of people uh, but I think one of the, the significant turning points was when I decided that, okay, you know what, I'm going to put both feet out to my comfort zone and I'm going to let this go and I'm going to tell this story in, uh, in, in full transparency. I'm going to tell the parts that are dark. I'm going to tell the parts that are, are scary. I mean, that's effectively how you and I have connected. Uh, the things that I thought were going to be truly just, I was like, this is going to be career suicide. I'm never going to be able to go back. But it, it's, it's a bit like, you know, taking the red pill, uh, you know, you know, it's that scene in, in the uh, in the Matrix where Morpheus says he's like he's like he's like you know you couldn't go back if you'd want if, even if you even if you could go back would you want to? And I think for me that once you know you pull both feet outside the comfort zone, you realize there is no going back and there's no playing it safe because if you play it safe, you won't reach your full potential. It's like one of these trapdoors that you go through, right? It's like once you once you taste it, you can't really go back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you just published this uh, this book called The Art of Being Unmistakable, huh? which is a great read, by the way. I uh, finished it yesterday. Really enjoyed it. One thing that I want to talk a little bit more about is the subtitle, which is a collection of essays about making a dent in the universe. I think that's a beautiful image. Can you talk a little bit about what you mean by making a dent in the universe? Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting, right? Because that gets thrown around uh, a lot uh, by by a lot of people who are inspirational. I mean, I, there was a guy on Twitter who commented, he's like, yeah, he's like, it's like inspirational psychobabble, which I'll admit, you know, to some degree this book is, you know, but I guess, you know, for me, one, that's going to mean something different to every single person, right? Uh, I think that 
we all have it in us to do it. And I think it's our birthright. Should we choose to claim it to make, to, to do, you know, what I say is making a dent in the universe. And what I guess for me that means really is that the world is different um, and better because of something that I've done. Like I've molded it and shaped it in some way that, that basically the world would have been extremely different if I hadn't been here uh, or if I hadn't done the things I'd done. Uh, and, and that what I did mattered and what I did was lived with intention and purpose and, uh, and, and did something meaningful and affected somebody's life. If you affect one person's life in a profound and meaningful way, you've made a dent in the universe as far as I'm concerned. You don't have to be Steve Jobs to make a dent in the universe. And I think that we, we get this idea in our head uh, that making a dent in the universe is reserved for the select few. Uh, special, but the difference between the people who make a dent in the universe and those who don't uh, is that the ones who do choose themselves, uh, as my friend James Altucher would say, and they claim their birthright and they live very intentionally. And you know, making decisions that aren't in line with your end goal of making a dent in the universe is a habit. And once you break the habit, you start to move towards that. And I, that's you know. I realize that's a sort of a vague answer, but here's the thing I would say about this. You know, and I talk about this in the book as well. Is that to make a dent in the universe, you have to use a compass, not a map. Uh, I can't give you the step-by-step formula because it's going to be different for everybody. Uh, like what you find meaningful might be different than what I find meaningful. So, what's the dent that you want to make in the universe? <laughs> uh, that's that's a that's a good question. I, I wish I had. I wish I could define it very clearly, and, and maybe that's part of what I'm going through right now is is finding that. But you know, it, it's here's here's something to think about. Uh, you know, a lot of people who have uh, been on my show, who have been part of my uh, my world, by by almost all measures, are far more successful um, than I am. You know, if we're, if we're deciding how to measure. You know, like let's say we we look at you know revenue or, or any metrics, um, and and we can talk about what's worth measuring in your life and not uh, later on. But I guess you know, I realized for me the biggest dent that. I could make is that if other people went out and did amazing things as a byproduct of my work, that would be the ultimate dent. That the more people that go out and change their lives because of something I've done, the more rewarding that would become. And you know, I I, I think that has exponential implications. Like the potential for that is exponential. Whereas if it's just me trying to do my thing and make my difference, I don't think it's as powerful. So, Shrini, the the point of this show, uh, I Congruent Life, is really about exploring authenticity and telling stories of authenticity and people that are defining that in different ways and then really living into that in the world. What does living authentically or congruently mean to you? You know, I think it goes back to to something I was saying earlier uh, about, one, I think you have to understand what your values are uh, and, and what is important to you. And then you have to basically draw a line in the sand and say you won't compromise on that. And that's not easy. It's, it's easier said than done uh, because sometimes you're going to have to – it's going to feel like you have no choice and your back is up against the wall and that you have to compromise on something that you value uh, in order to survive. But the truth is that sometimes you'll have to go through pain in order to live this way. Uh, but in the end, you'll know that you didn't compromise. And you know, living authentically – uh, it, I think in a lot of ways, I call it the no BS version of who you are. Uh, it, it's about stripping away all these layers that have been piled up on you over the years um, that cause you to put on a performance 
that basically is designed to live up to what other people expect of you rather than what you expect of yourself. I think one thing that's interesting in, in your writings and, and you talk frequently uh, in, in your conversations about the importance of surfing in your life. Huh? Can you, can you maybe talk a bit about that and, and how that serves as sort of a grounding element for you in your life and your creative work? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you, you can get me to talk about this for hours, but uh, surfing is an you know, it's strange because I, I am not genetically predisposed for anything athletic. I'm Indian. So uh, it, funny thing is I've never been athletic in my life at anything. But I think part of what drew me to, to surfing was the fact that it taught me how to be present, mm. right? Um, like presence is a very, very important thing. It's it's very talked about, but I don't think really understood. Uh, it's, a, it's a very surreal feeling to be completely present uh, because it's not something you experience very often. Like you, you know, you know, it, it's, it's intense and it's joyful and uh, it's exhilarating. There's nothing like a sense of extreme presence. Uh, and the funny thing is that people ask, what are you thinking about in that kind of a state? And it, you know, your thoughts really don't stop ever. Like the idea that thoughts come to a screeching halt is a little nuts. Like even if you're like a Buddhist monk, that does not happen. Uh, but but what's interesting is that true presence is when the only thing you're thinking about is exactly what you're doing in the moment. I only, only a handful of activities have provided that for me. One is sex, and the other is surfing. Uh, it, it's you know, and the thing is that I think what that does is we you know generally what we do is we live in the past and we worry about the future. Like we dwell on our past and we worry about the future. And to do effective work, to live, you know, a congruent life, you have to be able to, you have to have some sense, you have to have something that allows you to let go of that. Uh, because when you let go of that, it loosens up a lot of things. It, it basically opens the floodgates to do really amazing work. And it's not to say that you're never going to think about the past and that you're never going to worry about the future. Uh, I think that the idea that those will just completely dissipate is crazy. I, I don't think there's even – even the most wildly successful people are, are thinking about, OK, what's next or, or what's in the future. But it's this constant balance, I think, between living in the moment and keeping your eyes on the horizon. Um, and that's, that's why surfing is such a perfect way to think about it because when you're in the water – uh, you have to you have to be present, but you also have to keep your eye on the waves that are coming if you're going to catch your wave. And you know, interestingly enough, uh, what surfing did is, is, in addition to teaching me how to be present, it taught me how to take care of my body. Like it completely changed my relationship. And I, you know, you've had Meg Warden here, and she talks a lot about this. How you know your bodies are these these containers for your souls, and. I realized in general I was putting a lot of crap into the container, uh, both you know, like mental crap as well as physical crap. And what what surfing became was a way to cleanse uh, in a lot of ways. And then also it, it changed all my other habits. You know, it, it, habits are really interesting because you can start really small. Or you can start with one thing, and it will bleed into every other aspect of your life. Uh, one of the things I think that gives me the discipline to to sit down and to write every day and to create is is the fact that you know I'm a surfer, so I've had to learn how to have the discipline of, of showing up even when I don't even you know here's the here's the thing when you're a surfer if you want to take advantage of the conditions when they're good you got to show up when the conditions suck and you've got to take a few beatings you got to earn you got to earn your spot in the lineup and that means you know taking waves on the head and, you know just I mean it, it's 
it's a brutal beatdown sport when you first get started. But the thing is, you get past that, um, and it becomes you know it becomes the most joyful thing in the world. And I think life is very much the same, especially. Uh, when you want to get on this path to to living you know a congruent life, you you have to go through you have to go through some pain. I mean it's it's unfortunate. I mean I I'd, I'd love to tell you that you know what you make this wonderful decision that you're going to start living a congruent life and then out of nowhere magically everything just works out. I I, I don't know about you and, and the guests you've had on your show, but I can't tell you a single story of that about that. Like nobody I know has had everything work out with for them without experiencing pain. Sure. You, you do have to go through that eye of the needle of, to, to get to that place. In fact, one of my recent guests, Don Samuels, actually compared it to, uh, drew an analogy to childbirth. You know, it's, <laughs> this, it's this really painful thing that you got to go through, and it's kind of worth it. Yeah. yeah it, well, and that's the thing, right? It, in the end, um, it, it does end up being worth it. Uh, you know, that's the, the real thing is, is that you got to say – is is it worth it to play it safe or is it worth it to take the risks? Because again, you know, it goes back to that whole idea. One is going to provide a significant upside. The other is going to keep you exactly where you're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we seem sort of wired to seek comfort and not wander out into those uncomfortable places. So you've talked to hundreds of people on your show, uh, some pretty amazing people that you've had the opportunity to connect with. And of course, it would be impossible to try to distill that into you know, some grand message, but I wonder, are there some stories or some key insights that you maybe could extract from some of those experiences that have had a big impact on you personally? Boy, uh, out of 400. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are tons. I mean, so much of what I'm telling you, I, I gotta say probably has come, come from, from a lot of those. I mean, you had Meg here, obviously, who, who was another person. She's had a profound impact on me. I mean, I think that, you know, what, what it boils down to, um, I think is that, what we what we do is we find models of possibility and positive outliers on our show. And what I see over and over again is people who, despite incredibly difficult circumstances, accomplish mind-blowing things. And uh, yeah, I guess the, the easiest example I can think of is my uh, Greg Hartle, who's my co-host on Blogcast FM Backstage. Um, I mean, when you see something like that, here's a guy who has really been through hell. I mean, he really has. He's, you know, he's had a kidney transplant in his life. He almost died when he's younger. He's lost everything. He's been buried, you know, in up to half a million dollars in debt, pulled himself out of it. And then he walks out of his door with $10 and a laptop. And he does, you know, with that, what most people who with their sixty, seventy-five thousand dollar a year salary and their comfortable cubicle life will never do in this lifetime. And what that teaches me is that we grossly underestimate what we think we're capable of. Uh, and that's largely the byproduct of the fact that, like you said, we're wired for comfort. We seek comfort. And if we if we continually seek comfort, I don't think we'll ever stretch and we'll never see what we're made of. Whereas if we go out of our way – and Greg goes out of his way to put himself in very, very uncomfortable situations, ones that even I can't fathom. I mean $10 on a laptop, you know, that's kind of insane. Like how do you survive with that? But I think the, the, the other thing, you know, in moments of adversity, I, I think that we don't know – you know, one, we don't put ourselves in difficult situations. So we underestimate what we think is possible. And I'll give you another analogy. Uh, I was surfing an unusually large day in Nicaragua, like way bigger than um, I'm capable of surfing. Uh, and the waves were just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You might have seen this picture on Facebook. Uh, it was eventually got to be probably about a 13-foot day, which was way too too big for me. And I was, you know, 
there, there are certain places you want to be when you're surfing. There's certain places you don't want to be. And one is known as the impact zone, and that is not where you want to be. That's where the wave actually breaks. And I saw you know, a wave coming, and I was like, wow, there's nothing I can do. I am about to get just hammered by a 13-foot wave, and, and that's a lot of water. And I mean, we're talking, you know, some, some of these waves are, you know, powerful enough that like it tear down like a small cottage. Um, so imagine your body is in, in this space and you're like, oh shit. And I, I, I thought, I thought, wow, I'm going to die. This is it. You know? And I'd just been fired the day before from a job and I was, I was like, well, I guess this is an okay time to die. Cause I mean, those are the thoughts that run through your mind. But I, I one thing that's interesting is your survival instinct kicks in, in that moment. You, you realize, you're like, okay, I'm going to do everything I damn well have to to make sure I get out of this situation alive. Uh, and I, you know, I mean, I got tossed around. It was like being inside a washing machine. Hmm. But I came up on shore without a bruise. And, uh, you know, I lost my shirt, literally. And my friend's like, where's your rash guard? And I said, I think it's in the ocean, but I'm done for today. I'm going to have a beer. And I think that, that you know, our, our capacity for dealing with adversity is far greater than we think it is. Mm. And that's that's one of the big lessons that I've taken away from all the people um, that I've talked to. Because often, almost every journey starts with some sort of adversity. Like These people are positive outliers and remarkable people who do extraordinary things despite their circumstances. In fact, it's these awful circumstances that was the catalyst for all the amazing things they do. So what's going on in your world now, Srini? What uh, <laughs> what exciting things are you uh, are you pursuing to make your own dent in the universe? Um, well, you know, you mentioned the art of being unmistakable, uh, which that just came out this week. I don't know when this is going to be out, but by the time people listen to this, it'll have been on Amazon probably for about a week or two. Uh, and so that's that's been really exciting. So I'm doing a lot more writing. But the thing that I'm really, uh, really, really excited about, uh, which I, I can't stop talking about, you've heard me talk about it on Blogcast FM, is uh, this event that we're doing called the Instigator Experience. And, you know, I, literally, I think the goal of the the event is to help people make their dent in the universe. I mean, the, the theme is, is how do you bring a bold idea to life? But one of the one of the things that we did is, you know, I realized one of the things that I have is access to a lot of people that the average person wouldn't have access to uh, because of the way I built the platform. And, you know, when you have 400 people to choose from, you can choose just about anybody. But I was very intentional in that I wanted people who I felt had a very, very profound impact uh, on our audience. And I thought, well, if individually they had that kind of an impact and it was never who you would think it would be. It was never like the Tim Ferriss's of the world. Um, it, I thought, well, if you could pull off something like this, like if, if it's really, you know, if individually these people had such a, a powerful impact, what would happen if collectively we brought them all together um, and we, we let them tell their stories and we, we basically gave them the stage and said, we want you to help, uh, you know, these people make their dent in the universe. Uh, or help them bring a bold idea to life. And so now um, we have this event called the Instigator Experience. And it's, I guess, you know, I told a friend the other day, I said, I want it to be like the Cirque du Soleil of business events uh, because it's not a conference. It's a theatrical storytelling experience blended with the content of a conference. It's not going to be your typical business conference uh, because let's face it, typical business conferences are boring, uh, you know. Nobody wants to sit all day in a, a room under fluorescent lights eagerly anticipating happy hour where they'll actually get to have some fun. 
Uh, and, and that's what so many so many events are like. And we are very adamant that this won't be like that. Um, so, you know, we're blending all these different elements uh, because, you know, you know, you asked about my guest influences. And, and again, you know, my guest influences are making their way into this. You know, we had a guy named Eric Wall, who's a graffiti artist. And one of the things he told me that really stuck for me was that he said, you know, he, he's, his work is about creating epic audience experiences. And he said that, you know, you watch live music uh, and live performance. He said, you know, live music has engaged participants. Keynote speaking has passive consumers. There's room to bridge the gap between those two things. And so, you know, th- with that in mind, we're, we're exploring, you know, what can we do? Like, for example, I, I, you know, I've met a friend who does who was in theater in high school and I've been talking to him about stagecraft. Like, how do we, you know, make multiple set changes during an event? Like, people don't do things like that at a business conference. Uh, typically. So, so really, you know, and, and the other part, what's interesting is it's intentionally being kept small. We're designing it in a way that it could never scale. And that's very much by on purpose. Um, you know, my friend AJ Leon has been a big influence in my life and, you know, he, he talks a lot about this idea that infinite scalability, you know, leads to something getting watered down. Uh, and, and it becomes sort of a, a you know washed up version of the original thing that it was when something becomes infinitely scalable, and I really I really appreciate that. Uh, it, it's there's because I think that when you when you think about uh, things that are, are infinitely scalable, part of why I don't appreciate some things like that is, is that there's there's a lack of craftsmanship uh, in things like that. You know that that you know we were talking about the sort of the direction that my show is going and how I'm going out of my way to find. Uh, you know, people who are, are not what you would expect uh, on the show and, and not the normal, normal, usual suspects. And part of it is is because there are people um, who are lingering, maybe sometimes in obscurity, who do amazing work um, that isn't infinitely scalable, but there is such a sense of craftsmanship to what they do that it's inspiring. And the truth is that you, we're talking about this dent in the universe thing. If we approach what we, we do with the goal of being masters of our craft rather than building something infinitely scalable, then our dents in the universe will be made on their own. Srini, how can our listeners engage with you? Um, what you, as you mentioned, you can find me, uh, at blogcast FM. Uh, you can find it in iTunes, uh, by searching for blogcast FM. You can also find me on blogcastfm.com. And I guess these days I'm doing a lot of my writing on Facebook. So, uh, facebook.com slash Srini Rao, uh, is, is how you find me there. Great. We'll link all that up on the show page as well as the instigator experience. So Srini, is there a final thought that you'd like to leave our listeners with uh, specifically about authenticity? Ooh, um, yeah, don't play it safe. Because uh, when you play it safe, you're actually not being authentic. Well, Srini Rao, thanks so much for taking the time to talk today. And thanks for Blogcast FM. It's a great gift to the world. I know it's benefiting a lot of people. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Srini Rao. Since this is episode 29, you can find the webpage for this episode at acongruentlife.net slash 29 or acongruentlife.net slash Rao, which is spelled R-A-O. There I'll link to Srini's work, including Blogcast FM, The Instigator Experience, and his books. A Congruent Life is supported by Black Creator Software Solutions. If you're in the need of technology solutions for your small business or nonprofit organization, including custom software development, web, or mobile, please check out blackcreator.com. Once again, thanks for being here and listening to A Congruent Life. I really appreciate your support, and I'm really grateful that you're finding this useful. See you next week. Thanks for listening to A Congruent Life. For more, please visit us on the web at acongruentlife.net. Do you have feedback about the show or suggestions for future guests? Please contact us through the website or send an email to 
feedback at incongruentlife.net. See you next time.